Chapter 53 of The Evil Genius This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Renate The Evil Genius by Wilkie Collins Chapter 53 The Largest Nature, The Longest Love Mrs. Presty waited in the garden to be joined by her daughter and Captain Benedek, and waited in vain. It was past her grandchild's bedtime. She decided on returning to the house. Suppose we look for them in the sitting-room, Kitty proposed. Suppose we wait a moment before we go in, her wise grandmother advised. If I hear them talking, I shall take you upstairs to bed. Why? Mrs. Presty forwarded Kitty with a hint relating to the management of inquisitive children which might prove useful to her in afterlife. When you grow up to be a woman, my dear, beware of making the mistake that I have just committed. Never be foolish enough to mention your reasons when a child asks why. Was that how they treated you, Grandmamma, when you were a child yourself? of course it was why they had reached the sitting-room door by this time kitty opened it without ceremony and looked in the room was empty having confided her granddaughters to the nursemaid's care mrs presty knocked at catherine's bedroom door may i come in come in directly where is kitty susan is putting her to bed stop it Kitty mustn't go to bed. No questions. I explain myself when you come back. There was a wildness in her eyes, and a tone of stern comment in her voice, which warned her mother to set dignity aside and submit. I don't ask what has happened, Mrs. Presty resumed on her return. That letter, that fatal letter to the captain, has justified my worst fears. What in heaven's name are we to do now? We are to leave this hotel, was the instant reply. When? Tonight. Catherine, do you know what time it is? Time enough to catch the last train to London. Don't raise objections. If I stay at this place with associations in every part of it which remind me of that unhappy man, I shall go mad. The shock I have suffered, the misery, the humiliation, I tell you, it's more than I can bear. Stay here by yourself if you like. I mean to go. She paced with frantic rapidity up and down the room. Mrs. Presty took the only way by which it was possible to calm her. Compose yourself, Catherine, and all that you wish shall be done. I settle everything with the landlord and give the maid her orders, sit down by the open window, let the wind blow over you. The railway service from Sydenham to London is a late service. At a few minutes before midnight they were in time for the last train. When they left the station, Catherine has calmed enough to communicate her plans for the future. The nearest hotel to the terminus would offer them accommodation for that night. On the next day they could find some quiet place in the country. No matter where, 
so long as they were not disturbed. Give me rest and peace, and my mind will be easier, Catherine said. Let nobody know where to find me. These conditions were strictly observed, with an exception in favor of Mr. Sarrison. While his client's pecuniary affairs were still unsettled, the lawyer had his claim to be taken into her confidence. The next morning found Captain Benedict still keeping his room at Sydenham. The state of his mind presented a complete contrast to the state of Catherine's mind. So far from sharing her aversion to the personal associations which were connected with the hotel, he found this one consolation in visiting the scenes which reminded him of the beloved woman whom he had lost. The reason for this was not far to seek. His was the largest nature, and his had been the most devoted love. As usual, his letters were forwarded to him from his place of residence in London. Those addressed in handwritings that he knew were the first that he read. The others he took out with him to that sequestered part of the garden in which he had passed the happiest hours of his life by Catherine's side. He had been thinking of her all the morning. He was thinking of her now. His better judgment protested. His accusing conscience warned him that he was committing not only an act of folly, but, with his religious convictions, an act of sin, and still she held her place in his thoughts. The manager had told him of her sudden departure from the hotel, and he had declared with perfect truth that the place of her destination had not been communicated to him. Asked if she had left no directions relating to her correspondence, he had replied that his instructions were to forward all letters to her lawyer. On the point of inquiring next for the name and address, Benedict's sense of duty and sense of shame roused at last, filled him with a timely contempt for himself, and feeling tempted to write to Catherine, in encouraging fond thoughts of her among scenes which kept her in his memory, he had been false to the very principles to which he had appealed at their farewell interview. She had set him the right example, the example which he has determined to follow in leaving the place. Before he could falter in his resolution, he gave notice of his departure. The one hope for him now was to find a refuge from himself in acts of mercy. Consolation was perhaps waiting for him in his home. His unopened correspondence offered a harmless occupation to his thoughts. In the meanwhile, one after another he read the letters, with an attention constantly wandering and constantly recalled, until he opened the last of them that remained. In a moment more his interest was absorbed. The first sentences in the letter told him that the deserted creature whom he had met in the garden, the stranger to whom he had offered help and consolation in the present and in the future, was no other than the lost girl of whom he had been so long in search, the daughter of Roderick Westerfield, once his dearest and oldest friend. In the pages that followed, the writer confided to him her sad story. 
leaving it to her father's friend to decide whether she was worthy of the sympathy which he had offered to her when he thought she was a stranger this part of her letter was necessarily a repetition of what benedict had read in the confession which catherine had addressed to him that generous woman had been guilty of one and but one concealment of the truth in relating the circumstances under which the elopement from montmorven had taken place she had abstained in justice to the sincerity of sydney's repentance from mentioning sydney's name another instance the captain thought bitterly as he closed the letter of the virtues which might have made the happiness of my life but he was bound to remember and he did remember that there was now a new interest tenderly associating itself with his life to come the one best way of telling sydney how dear she was to him already for her father's sake would be to answer her in person he hurried away to london by the first train and drove at once to reynolds place of abode to ask for sydney's address wondering what had become of the postscript to his letter which had given benedict the information of which he was now in search Rendell complied with his friend's request and then ventured to allude to the report of the captain's marriage engagement am i to congratulate you he asked congratulate me on having discovered roderick westerfield's daughter that reply and the tone in which it was given led Randall to ask if the engagement had been prematurely announced there is no engagement at all benedict answered with a look which suggested that it might be wise not to dwell on the subject but the discovery was welcome to randall for his brother's sake he ran the risk of consequences and inquired if catherine was still to be found at the hotel the captain answered by a sign in the negative randall persisted do you know where she has gone nobody knows but her lawyer in that case Randall concluded i shall get the information that i want noticing that benedict looked surprised he mentioned his motive herbert is pinning to see kitty he continued and i mean to help him he has done all that a man could do to atone for the past as things are i believe i shall not offend catherine if i arrange for a meeting between father and child what do you say benedict answered earnestly and eagerly do it at once they left the house together one to go to sydney's lodgings the other on his way to mr saracen's office End of chapter fifty three recording by renata